0: Welcome to Bible Q&A, a monthly discussion with Luther Seminary faculty about everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Eric Barreto.
1: And I'm Cameron Howard.
0: And joining us today is Catherine Schifferdecker, who teaches Old Testament here at the seminary. Thanks for joining us, Catherine.
1: Good to be here, Eric and Cameron. We have a difficult question before us today, why do people suffer? So I wonder, where would you go first in the Bible to start tackling this question?
2: Well, it is a difficult question. Uh, I would say even an impossible question. Mm. There's no really great uh, final answer to the question, "Why do people suffer?" But of course, it's a question that people have struggled with for mm-hmm. centuries, mm. millennia. Really, yeah. mm-hmm. um, as I said in my essay, you know, atheists probably don't have too much of a problem with this because it happens, right? Suffering mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those of us who believe in a loving Powerful God have a problem here. Why? Uh, why do people suffer if God is loving and God is powerful? As far as texts, um, that's difficult too. I think there's there's lots of really um, pertinent texts here, biblical texts, and I've listed some of them in the essay. I can't be comprehensive, but I would go to obviously to the book of Job, which is mm-hmm. about a uh, very righteous man who suffers. Uh, mm-hmm. For no good reason, uh, or the psalms. That uh, of course the psalmists are people who are crying out from the midst of of impossible circumstances or hard mm-hmm. circumstances, and yeah. they um, they are experiencing suffering. Certainly, uh, as Christians, we go to the cross. We talk about uh, the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. As we talk about suffering, so mm-hmm. there's lots of texts that you could begin with, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, yeah, and 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 some of them are even in tension with each other. You might talk mm-hmm. about Deuteronomy and Job as yeah. being in tension with each other, um, but uh, I wouldn't say in contradiction, but in tension. So lots of lots of possibilities there. Yeah, maybe
0: like there's no one answer for the this big the, maybe the biggest of all the big questions, but that there's also no not one text to go to because the Bible doesn't isn't as simple as that to just give us one right. answer and yeah. run with it. That right. It kind of it. it you know, written by so many different people throughout so many different times and so many different situations, people come up with different responses. And maybe there's something in the the vibrancy of all those responses where we can find ourselves and yeah. maybe find a, yeah. uh, not a solution, but at least uh, a way to at least live in the midst of that suffering right here, right now.
2: Yeah, I think that's 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 a good way to put it. I think of it as maybe a question with many facets, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, something with lots of different angles, lots of different facets, and yeah. it depends on how you approach it as to which text may be most yeah. useful for you. So some people who are suffering may find Job really helpful to see yeah. this man who— who just laments and cries out in mm-hmm. bitterness against God? And others, I've heard other people say, "I don't, I don't need to read Job because I've got already... enough lament in my exactly. life. I don't need more. Yeah. I'm miserable enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't need Job." So, yeah. so yeah, uh, for different people, uh, different texts will work, uh, and at different times of your life, I think different yeah. texts will be will be useful.
0: <laughs> can Can you talk? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'll give you some space. Um, talk a little bit. I know you spent a lot of time in Job, Catherine. What? Yeah. What? Um. How do you read that text? Because it's a really long text, and I think there's a certain complexity to it with all his friends chiming in and saying right. different things. How, right. well, um, yeah? How do you dig into that text? I mean, that's I'm New Testament, so I don't have to answer that question. But maybe the two of you can figure this out.
1: <laughs> Way to punt. Yeah. Well, and Job always bothers me too a little bit in that prologue when um, you know it's sort of. God picks a fight almost with yeah. the adversary there. Right. Yeah, it's like that Job yeah. is Have a, you have noticed you my noticed? servant Job? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's uh, Job is a pawn in all this instead yeah. of, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. What That's do you make a, of all that?
2: Yeah, I, I, it, it's true. And I I uh, I usually quote Virginia Woolf when I talk mm-hmm. about Job. Virginia Woolf wrote to a friend one night. She said, I read the book of Job last night. I don't think God comes out of it well. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> On a said. first reading, the book of Job, you know, God, God ends up looking like this, I don't know, kind of bragging uh, deity who... Uh, who wants to show off his finest person, right, Job, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. plays a chess game with him, plays yeah. a chess game with the Satan. Yeah. Um, but this, it's probably, we don't really have enough time to go into great detail, but um, I, would, I would say, I think it's very important to say, that um, I don't think Job is a historical tale, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. this is an actual historical tale oh, of right. a person who yeah. God plays this chess game with or uh, as a pawn in the chess right. game. I think I think I would classify it, if we're talking about genre, as something along the lines of a parable, mm. uh, a very long parable, of yeah. course. And even in the text itself, you know, it's not like um, in the prophets you get, you know... Uh, the words of Isaiah son of Amos who prophesied in the days of you know mm-hmm. king so and so mm-hmm. and so and so and so and so right it's, it's rooted in a historical circumstance yeah. and in a, in a temporal in a specific time the book of Job doesn't start that way it's just yeah. you know there was a man in the land of Uts whose Thomas. name was Job It's almost a a once-upon-a-time Exactly, Uh, It's Uh almost uh, a a once-upon-a-time kind of, you know, there was a man. It's like Jesus saying, you know, there was a man going down from Mm -hmm. Jerusalem to Jericho, right? Or there was a man with two sons.
0: It's not that those realities aren't real, right? So that we know when people travel in the ancient world, sometimes they get robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And we know that there are people who are righteous who suffer. It's not that it's denying the reality of that, but that the story isn't meant to record. It's not a biography so much as... Like this instructional parable, I like thinking yeah, about it as right, a really right. extended parable or a, right, right. or a tale, you and then so, it yeah. can
1: capture reality sometimes exactly. better yeah. in its fullness rather than focusing on one historical. Yeah, step. he's right. kind
2: of he's the prototype, right? He's the prototype of the innocent sufferer. Yeah, and so I I think it's important to say that this is not the God we see in the rest of the Bible. The, this God, our, the God that mm. we know in Christ and in the Old Testament, does not play. Um, play people mm-hmm. as pawns right yeah. uh so i don't think it's a historical tale i think it's more of a parable and i look on it i i there's debate about this of course but um i think that job was written either during the exile or soon after mm. and that that it's addressing this huge problem of you know we thought god was with us and now our city is destroyed our temple is destroyed we're mm-hmm. in exile mm-hmm. what's the right. deal you know and second isaiah or mm-hmm. the you know isaiah 40 fifty five the writer there has the same problem, but his answer is. To go to covenant, right? Mm -hmm. We're going, uh, God's going to renew the covenant. There's going to be a new Exodus. You know, God is faithful. Mm -hmm. And to say, you know, um, Israel has paid double for all her sins, right? There's sins there. And there are human beings, Cyrus, who can be instruments in initiating this. Um, The author of Job doesn't admit any guilt. This man is completely righteous. Mm -hmm. I think we're supposed to understand him as really sinless. There's no basis for saying he deserved what he got yeah. right he's sinless so what do we do when something when someone or a nation who is completely guiltless and of course that doesn't happen, happen. in reality yeah. Yeah. but yeah. what do we do when the punishment doesn't fit the crime when yeah. when suffering happens to someone who doesn't deserve it and of course there's so many examples in our world today you know right. children particularly who suffer uh, or um yeah people who are caught in the in the web of someone else's sin you know someone right. maybe in a in an accident uh, that's not their fault that right. kind of thing yeah. so I think that's the problem that job is addressing I think it's kind of a parable that sets up this okay let's think of the most righteous person in the in the world and Job was probably this folktale character that other because Ezekiel refers to him too huh. yeah. um let's take the most righteous person in the world suffering happens to him why well okay let's just Make up this game between God and the Satan. Yeah. Uh, now what? The, the the book really doesn't spend much time on the prologue. It doesn't spend much time on mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah. It's what now? Yeah. What do right. we do now? And yeah. I think that's what, as I was reading this essay, that's what I was thinking a lot about. That the Bible often doesn't doesn't even really ask the why question. Mm-hmm. It does sometimes, right. mm-hmm. but it doesn't. It, it's not as concerned with that as it is with what now. So yeah. I love this. Uh, this quotation from my advisor, um, uh, John Levinson, he's a Jewish scholar. He says, the overwhelming tendency of biblical writers as they confront undeserved evil is not to explain it away, that is, don't ask why Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. what happened, but to call on God to blast it away.
1: Uh, It's
2: not, it's not why did this, uh, they ask the question, but they don't generally answer the question why. Mostly they say,
1: do something about it, God. Right, right. Do something. Yeah, and that that tension that you name in the essay so nicely about about sin and suffering. You know that some suffering is caused by sin, right. but not all right. suffering not not all suffering comes from sin. Um, suffering doesn't have to be because of sin. I think that that tension you know lives in the Bible is where well actions have consequences. Yes. People sin. Some people sin hurts themselves. Some people sin hurts other people, mm-hmm. but plenty of people also suffer innocently, uh, and kind of in bystanders, sort of, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And collateral some, damage sort of, yeah, right. to my sin. And when it comes to things like natural disasters, um, it's harder to understand right. the place of sin, though we could talk about sort of mm-hmm. great systemic sins, yeah. mm-hmm. ecological mm-hmm. damage that eventually has consequences, but that's not about something being wrought on the person who suffers. Yeah. Right?
0: There seems to be a, kind of this web of belonging that we're, even if if, if I've, I've not done anything to acquire the suffering, that there's some imbalance in the world, some sense of, of sin, that something's fallen short. Um, and we all get caught up in this web, even if it's not directly involved, by, you know, even if I didn't directly cause it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder then if the, the why question is sometimes too complex the 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 reasons why a typhoon happened right are mm-hmm. incredibly complex, and how do we even start delving into that, but what we can ask is what do we how do we respond to it? How are we yeah. neighbors to one another
2: yeah. yeah yeah, I mean I
0: think something similar happens in revelation where we i think tend to assume that it 's a book about what 's going to happen next and but I think it really is about what what do we do now mm-hmm. if this if these are our hopes mm-hmm. and if, if this is the deliverance we 're waiting for, how do we live right here and right now i think that 's Maybe a, a different way of, of framing the question instead of the why question is, well, what now? I like the way that you yeah, framed that, Catherine.
2: Yeah. So, I think, yeah, those are both great points. And uh, especially I especially want to emphasize what you said, Cameron, that uh, the, the Bible isn't saying that sin doesn't have consequences or that suffering uh, isn't the result of sin. Certainly, sin has consequences. Certainly, some suffering is the result of sin, both for those who sin and for those who are caught in that sin. Um, but but the important point that Job makes is not all suffering is the result mm-hmm. of sin. And that is actually a pretty radical statement, certainly yeah. for ancient Israel. And even for today, we're yeah. in our quest to try to find reasons for suffering. We sometimes even inadvertently end up blaming the victim, right? right. Mm-hmm. She yeah. was walking too late at night, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You yeah. know, that's, we don't intend to do that, but it's the yeah. way that we can build a safe wall around ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important even today to say not all suffering is the result of sin. And I just want to say that, uh, obviously, uh, we've been talking a lot about Job, but as Christians, obviously, whenever we talk about suffering, we have to move to the New Testament and talk about the cross. And the fact that there, uh, Jesus embraces suffering himself and Mm -hmm. experiences suffering himself, uh, even to the point of death. And Jesus doesn't do it quietly, right? Jesus Mm -hmm goes back to that lament tradition, and lament is such a huge, I've mentioned it, but I haven't used the word, lament is such a huge gift to us to yeah. say, when we are suffering, one faithful response is to say, why? Or to say, how long, oh God? Or to say, blasted away, God? Or mm-hmm. rise up, oh God? That's all lament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have to just accept it quietly. We can be angry. We can ask yeah. questions. Mm-hmm. And Jesus himself uses, of course, the lament of Psalm 22 yeah. from the cross. So, when we talk about suffering, that's where we see uh, suffering uh, most fully, I think, in the cross. Yeah. And somehow, you know, whatever atonement theory you use, somehow in that cross the suffering is redeemed yeah. and doesn't have the final word.
0: So I wonder if we can then think a little bit about how we kind of live this out. So how? In what directions does the Bible lead us when we have a close friend or a family member or we ourselves are experiencing a, a, a suffering, we've lost somebody or something like that? And I wonder if one thing we might run with with the lament is that the Bible gives us freedom to mourn, to lament, to ask why, to um, to even turn to God and say, why did you let this happen? Yeah, there's certainly. a freedom yeah, yeah. that God gives us yeah. to express all those anxieties and emotions and... Um, and God isn't offended exactly. by these things. Yeah. It's all over the Bible. God
2: is big enough to take our questions yeah. and our anger and our yeah. grief. And, our, and I
0: think sometimes yeah. we don't give our, each other and ourselves the freedom to do that. Yeah. So I think it, maybe I at think least Jew- we can Jews
1: are doing. a lot better at that than Christians yeah. are. In general. <laughs> I think we also have a tendency to um, compare sufferings uh, yeah. Um, yeah. in our culture. It's suffering and so, Olympics. <laughs> yeah. Who's, and, well, and then sometimes. Uh, on the one hand, there are sufferings that are profound. So I uh, broke my leg, have a broken leg. I experienced some suffering, you know, some pain, some inconvenience. Um, But it's not like it's, you know, I had access to good medical care and um, a sort of finite end to that suffering. So on the one hand, my suffering is not as profound as many sufferings in the world. On the one hand, it's important to sort of acknowledge whenever we have, Mm -hmm these Mm -hmm. moments of Mm -hmm. suffering individually and to sort of honor that for each other rather than trying to discount the suffering that we say, you know, that we all experience um, as well, it's not enough suffering to count in God's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Not to wallow in it, but not to discount it either.
0: I wonder too if we had the the impulse to explain is one that the Bible might help us temper as well. Mm. That when somebody's suffering, we don't try to fix the problem yeah we don't become jobs friends right, right. and then what we do is we yeah. the the best way to be a neighbor the best way to be jesus presence in somebody's life is to just sit next to them and join them in their lament and join them in their crying join them in their grief join them in their questions yes that yeah. our um our call to one another as friends and neighbors is not to fix each other but to be there get stuck in the muck with somebody else
2: yeah i think that's true and and certainly job's friends um they 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 the best friends when they come and they just sit with him for seven days yeah. and seven nights and that's yeah. um, it continues in Jewish uh, tradition today when someone dies mm-hmm. you go and sit shiva you sit seven yeah. days with with the the people who are grieving yeah. so yeah they were certainly good friends there um, so and and I think it has to be a matter of discernment too so to sit with someone in their grief to to lament with them um, and then to discern when might be the right time to Speak a word of gospel, right? yeah. mm-hmm. and to yeah. say, "This isn't the end, right? Yeah. right. Um, God is more powerful still yeah. than this, and and you know, I am the resurrection and the life," yeah. Jesus says to to Martha and to Mary yeah. after they say, "You know, if you had been here, yeah, Lord, my brother right. would not have died." Right. They lament themselves, and then He yeah. gives them that word of, of yeah. gospel. So, so there is the time to move there, but. Uh yeah, but you you have to be really discerning about when that time is. It's certainly not right after the crisis yeah. or right yeah. after There's the There's a death. wisdom
0: that's needed there because yes. the same yeah. words of the resurrection at one point can be suppressing the the emotions and right. maybe somebody feels unheard. Right. At another point it could be the very moment where their spirits yeah. are lifted and Yes, We just have to have a lot of wisdom and patience, I think, and yeah.
2: thinking yeah. about that. Yeah, and
1: it's certainly, as I said, yeah, not certainly right, not, not right, right away. <laughs> not certainly right away. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. know that's true. have a doctor friend who says that he always tells himself, don't just say something, sit there, mm. right, inverts. Yeah. The, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, that's good. Don't just stand there, say ah, something, yeah, yeah. but don't just say something, Yeah, sit there. Yeah. Mm.
0: Well, we could sit here for a few more minutes, but it's a good place to start, I think. It's yeah. it's a big question. We're not going to get to it. None of us are going to get to it by the time no. you know, our lives are ended. But I think, um, if anything, I, I think acting like neighbors is uh, I think as good a place as any for us to, to start and to end, I think. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Thanks. Thanks for tackling a big question.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for joining us on Bible Q&A. You can find more information at enterthebible.org. Join us again.